You're listening to The Jack Skilly Show, brought to you by Hammer Media. On Season 1, we're looking at youth development. You can learn more at hmmrmedia.com. Here's your host, professional hockey player, Jack Skilly. Welcome back, everybody. This is Episode 10 from The Jack Skilly Show. We are Martin and I are going to be recapping our season. This is going to be the final episode of the first season. Um, we're just going to start it off with just talking about, for me, at least on my end, this is a great, great experience, a great project for myself. I've learned a lot about this process, about youth development through our guests. We've had several big names in the NHL come onto the show. We've had an uh, NHL skills coach. And finishing off, my, my father was on, finishing off with Steve Merland, uh, uh, an experienced athletic and, and development coach um, for 30-plus years. So that was, to me, one of the most important, besides my father on the show, but uh, that was a good ending for me. And, and I'm excited to talk more about maybe the points that we'd like to highlight, Martin. And I think it's uh, some points that for, for our listeners and our parents that, that are listening to to tune into and, and to make sure that they they took hold yeah i mean it's i've been quiet in the last couple of episodes as you're talking with uh some of the, your buddies you've known throughout your career or even steve i mean uh, your history together with him i know him quite well but your history goes back even further and it's been fun to just sit back and listen just like the listeners um and, and learn a bit in the process i'm curious too i mean you know a lot of the stories from these um, athletes and coaches and everyone that we've had on here, but are there a couple things on the the topic of development you've either confirmed that you were unsure about or, or learned throughout the, the last 10 episodes? The, the amount of patience it takes to support your child and especially at the early ages when you're, when you're helping your kid decide what, what path to take or just throw them into everything possible and that was a, that was a really good episode for me to hear and, and I always talk highly of Steve but hearing it now in the stage in, in my career where I'm later in my my professional hockey career and and I'm now looking towards maybe the end of my career my new identity is going to be coaching and I'm learning about coaching from people like him and that's that's super important to me he's got so much experience and he's like you said off air there he's he's a really important guest because no matter what topic you're talking about steve steve pretty much nails it so um one of the things that steve brought up that that really impressed me was graceful movement the idea of how the human eye is attracted to it and i think that's such a simple way of putting it when you're watching a sport you can you can notice it right off the bat if the person's athletic or not. We just have that knack as as, as a, or at least most people I believe do, uh, that that human eye is attracted to that graceful movement, and that graceful movement is is very athletic. And it's funny how Sarah, my wife, and I and I were watching a, a Netflix show, and some guy was surfing as a part of the show, the documentary, and we were kind of laughing, like, what's this guy doing on there? Because he wasn't a very good surfer, but he ended up being, in the end, a really good windsurfer, and that's why he was on the show. It wasn't for regular surfing. So it was funny how he just didn't look very graceful on the surfboard riding a regular wave, but when he was doing windsurfing, when he was on the windsurfboard, it was pretty clear as to why he was on the show. So I think that kind of, and then the next day we recorded Steve, and it was it just solidified what my eye was seeing. And it's really neat that Steve can kind of 
articulate that in that way. Uh, I don't know about you. Um, you working with Steve for years. Uh, is there anything, any takeaway that you got recently from Steve's interview that we had? Yeah, I mean, from Steve, but also from all the guests, I think the main point that keeps driving home to me is like being an athlete being more athletic will never hurt you. It's only going to bring rewards down the, the line. You might not see like a one-to-one transfer. And, you know, if you, if you become more athletic, it's not going to make you more score more goals the next day. Um, but over the long term, it, it's something you want to have in your back pocket. And that, that's what, what I think the gist of what, what Steve's trying to get at is you need to, you need to be adaptable. You need to be able to express. It's not about, you know, having so much power. It's about how many environments you can express that power in and how you can take that those skills to different scenarios and um steve's always been a bit of a a counterbalance for for me because i like most coaches i come from a more traditional background and anytime i go too far down that path like like you did in your career going back to him and saying look um i need some ideas here let's brainstorm a bit um i'm facing this issue he gives me some great ideas to go back with and there's always like a middle ground i find but he's that balance you need in in your training um to be able to reorient orient yourself totally that was jack johnson grew up playing different sports and um even was forced to play different sports at shattuck st mary's and and I think that's uh, it's really important to hear that from the elite level athletes. I'm pretty sure it would be unanimous across the board for most sports. Even Jonathan Garcia with with speed skating, he he played multiple sports as well. So I think when you when you're talking about becoming a well-rounded athlete, you need to balance yourself out and play other sports. And and that again, kind of going back to he he brings it all together. Steve brings it all together in that last episode. Is just that athletic movement of, of, of the ro- working on the rotation and connecting yourself from toenails to fingernails really enhances yourself as an athlete. Therefore, if you're a good athlete, any good coach with, within your respective sport should be able to take that canvas as a good athlete and turn you into whatever whatever uh sport you're playing a a better better athlete in terms of that sport so uh, i i think that was really cool that that steve connected those dots for us um i mean was there anything else martin as far as uh anything any guests that we had something that stood out the most to you along the way for parents to really understand or coaches or anybody that's listening about youth development I mean, Angelo also, and, and also your father, I think we're both good in providing the coach's perspective. And it, it was important for me to hear that often we think of, you know, the coach wants to get all out of the athlete and they have a very short term focus because they're focused on winning that game. Um, the next one ahead of them and not always considering the long term aspects of development. But, you know, listening to coaches like that, it was really, um, really good to hear that. You know, they they also value these same exact things as the athletes have, have found and and the parents have found and the um, you know, people like us have found. So it, it was good to hear both of them saying you know, a lot of the same things. Like you know, get get your athletes. You know, I'm there. I'm your hockey coach, but I want you to take a break. Um, and you know how, how to set up an environment that they can learn in, and you know, using time effectively and, and all those types of things. So I think those were um, getting that coach's perspective was really really good for me. Yeah, me too. Angelo obviously has a lot of experiences at the NHL level. My father has a ton of experience at the youth level and and high school levels. And 
I think with the combination of those two types of coaches, it brought in a lot of good information. I hope I hope the people listening go back to some of these episodes and, and re-listen to them and and take take the advice of my father. I, he, he's not, he's my father, and and yeah, that's a little biased for me, but really in reality within the hockey world he, he does have a lot of experience under his belt in terms of dealing with parents and dealing with athletes dealing with coaches and and learning along the way and adapting along the way my father was an athletic development uh, director at the, at the high school for several years and, and coached the high school level for several years so there's you're going to learn how to deal with parents and you're going to learn how to deal with other coaches and athletes if you're in those roles Angelo, same thing. He's he's been dealing with youth development uh, programs for a long time now. He's also been a NHL skills coach for a long time. He's made a great career out of it. So the experience that under, is under his belt is it's it's high up there. So listening to guys like him, every time I have a chance to talk to him about hockey, it's a chance to to learn and and even learn about business, building a business and, and a brand outside of the, the game as a pro athlete is important. He's a good businessman as well. But what's really cool is they they all agree, all these people that are good hockey minds do agree that we need to work on making these athletes not just better hockey players, uh, but better athletes, better movers. And you can talk about, like I said, you can say that about any other sport that that's out there for, for these kids in youth development. They need to be able to move well in order to be able to play well in their, their respective sport. Um, on top of that, just being able to have the patience of the process. I think that was something that Angelo brought up. I think my dad briefly touched on that patience where, and I know Jonathan Taves brought up, the process and patient being patient with the process that that was a big one for me and i think a lot of these parents tend to pull the cart before the horse and they they want they they want their kid to be an all-star and they or these coaches pull the cart before the horse and they start teaching breakouts and and systematic stuff within the game of hockey to 12 year olds or 10 year olds when really they should be working on the basic fundamental found like the foundational skills of the the the, the sport and I think that that to me was something, Martin, that stuck out to me the most is just having that patience with the process and understanding that it's going to grow naturally and organically if you if you keep on looking for those those good opportunities for your kid to to really have fun. And again, uh, to end on that one, Steve really brought that together. Like, it, what's most important is your kid coming home and. and, and in a good mood or they did they have fun did they was it thrillingly fun in fact he said and i think that was the most the process and and having fun with the process was was a big thing for me this season martin yeah that's also i the little I've trained with Steve and you can probably say this more, it's like an exploratory process. You learn about yourself, you learn about your body. It's not just about, okay, do X number of sets and reps. It's, you know, um, it's, it's an adventure. <laughs> so it's a different training environment, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what uh, is really cool about all these guys that have come on the show they've they've all adapted to i think we talked about adaptability steve talked about it i know that angelo's had to adapt as a coach my dad is it it has it has had to adapt being open to adapting has been super important as well 
I don't know if that that word has been brought up a lot in the first season, but you can you can kind of draw a line through every single person that's been on the show that that they've had to learn as they've gone and and if they've had to evolve as an athlete or a person or a human being or a coach or whatever uh, as they've gone along in their career and and if you look at Jonathan Taves in his interview he talks about fear as well this is something that I wrote down that I wanted to briefly touch on is I think for me as an athlete I I dealt with fear in a poor way I I was I, I um was more scared of failure than anything and I think it just it just made me psychologically unfit before matches. You know, he talked about in the episode where he he went against his first faceoff. I think it was against Joe Sackick. I mean, a legend. And he and he's and he snaps it back. He he wins the draw, and it was instantaneous that like I belong here. To have that competitive attitude and to to chase down the fear, as he said in the episode, to, to go and seek it out in some ways is important and I think that was really interesting to hear him speak about yeah I thought that was one of the cool moments when he said you know he's 18 19 years old walking in with these top guys and he's not intimidated um and you know the Michael Jordan documentary came out as we were recording this too and I I wrote too when I was watching it because one of the first episodes he gets drafted and he's like uh same type of mentality when he goes to the Bulls it's like you know this is just another team I'm, I'm gonna show him what I can do and you know he's not he wants to prove himself at the same time so it's not like an arrogance that he's better than everyone but he he knows he can belong if he tries his best right exactly he knows he belongs and even in that michael jordan show you can see the leadership qualities that he he portrayed and you're not going to be the most liked person sometimes when you're the leader in the room but that was something that while watching the michael jordan show i noticed i didn't really know about michael I, I didn't really I grew up with that that was that was kind of happening when I was a child but I obviously as a child you don't tune into those types of things but when you talk to a guy like Jonathan he he brought up leadership as well and and he didn't really directly bring up leadership you could just the stories he talked about in response to me asking the question of uh, how he felt about being captain at such an early age just the other thing that he brought up in response was how he should have asked permission from the veterans or the peers, just his teammates. I thought that was so awesome and something that you don't really necessarily think about. I would have reacted the same way as him if I had been put in his shoes. Yeah, I would have answered right away and said, absolutely, I'll be the captain for sure, without even considering other people. And and I think he's got that hindsight looking back that you know maybe it would have been worth his his veteran teammates opinions to and i'm sure they would have given him their approval but just to even have that thought i think is is true leadership and um if you want to bounce around from guest to guest you can look at jack johnson something that jack he's always been a leader by example and something interesting that he brought up that i've always respected about him as a as an athlete i've known him since i was a teenager he's always just he he just loves the game of hockey he loves having fun he, he he can stick handle in a phone booth he's a 6'1 230 pound guy and he can stick handle in a phone booth I mean that's not that's pretty rare uh, maybe not so much these days but growing up in the the hockey world that we were growing up in um, he just loved polishing those small skills he loved going out there and playing 
hockey and just having fun and, and a scrimmage environment and a shinny environment. And I, that was one thing for me, Martin, when, when Jack was talking on his episode, he talked about the fun of it, the Monday skates at Shattuck St. Mary's and just going out there and playing hockey against Zach Parisi and, and Sidney Crosby and, and Matthew Stafford and all those guys that were elite level hockey players at that age level. It was just an opportunity for for him to see them with his own eye and apply what he was seeing to his own game. And the, instead of having a practice structure um, that coaches tend to love to be in control of, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. The um, one question I've had for you, I mean, we've touched on it with some of the different guests is, you know, in, in a couple of years when your kid's older and he's starting to look to play youth hockey, what are the first things you're going to look for when you look for finding the right developmental environment with uh, with a team or club? I think that's a really juicy thing. And I think based off of it, my, my perspective hasn't really changed too much. I've been kind of reinforced through this season. I think when you look at the development program, you have to look, is there is there an identity first off with this development program that you're possibly sign your kid, kid up with? I think at the youth ages from five to 10 years old, as long as they have a good program where they have some coaches in place that will teach you the foundational skills of the sport, how to skate for hockey, especially just how to skate, how to, how to fall down and stand back up and how to learn how to skate properly with your stride and, and, and balance out there. I mean, those are pretty basic, but once you start getting into the level where they 10 to 15 years old or 14 years old, when they're starting to kind of play the game of hockey and develop their skills outside of skating, I think there needs to be an identity with that program. I think they need to have a plan in place. They need to have structured coaches in place and leaders of, of that. In all honesty, when you look at a development program, our youth program, the way it should be structured is you have a youth director and you got a skills director. And then below those guys, you have a bunch of coaches. That's the way it should look like. And, and the, the youth director should be in charge of all the coach, the, the coaches um, and, the, and the skills director. And the accountability comes from actually the board members. The board members of that organization should be hammering down on the youth director and asking, hey, are we meeting our goals? The youth director then hammers down on the skills director and saying, hey, are we meeting, are the coaches meeting their goals or monthly, weekly, annual goals, whatever they are? And then because of those conversations, you have a trickle-down effect. You have the skills director now hammering down on every single coach, making sure that he's doing his job. And I think if you kind of see that identity, it should be visible if the, if the organization has that identity. If they don't, then I'd be concerned. That would be, I don't know if this is a program for my kid. Now there's some areas in the country, the United States, not so much in Canada. They're pretty much dialed up in Canada. This is their sport. But they're not they don't have that system in place in the united states in some places and you're kind of stuck with what you have in that case i think you just do your best as a parent to give your kid the opportunity to play the game and and find try to hone in and, and look for the best coaches in the area and make sure that every time that your kid is getting taught something that it's taught by that coach or or that handful of coaches and making sure maybe even trying to create dialogue as Steve had said with with some of the coaches to maybe 
be the director in some some sort of way without being crazy about it just trying to get these coaches all on the same page if you got a skating coach and a stick handling and shooting coach making sure that maybe those two are on the same page where the skating coach is talking to that the skills the the hands and um shot coach um where they're, they're talking to it, talking about their plans, things that they've coached, and they can integrate it together and they can kind of build a program outside of the youth program if, if the youth program is not providing. Um, those are things that I've experienced. But looking at my father and Steve and Angelo and, and the way that they structure everything as coaches, I think that's super important, Martin, is to make sure that your coaches have a plan. And if your coaches don't have a plan, that's probably a sign that the development program itself doesn't really care about what plan the coaches have. That, to me, is a big, big, big red flag. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think especially in the youth area, I mean, hockey in the youth area is more professional than athletics, but in athletics and track and field, we rely so much on volunteers that the whole accountability and planning often gets gets dropped. I mean, we think, oh, well, we can't pressure these these coaches to, to plan and prepare that much because, you know, we're not paying them that much. But I, I think in that age group, um, you need to have even more of a plan maybe than with uh, older athletes just because it holds you accountable and to make sure you're working towards the right goal. Otherwise you're just showing up and that's not what you want for your kids. So absolutely. I think that that's a super good point. Yeah. You're dealing with volunteer coaches. Angelo brought that up in episode three where you're sometimes you got to remember that these are volunteer coaches that don't really have the time in their day to plan and, and plan accordingly. But usually every single development program has somebody, a role that should be in charge of that. Right. Exactly. So yeah. if, if that guy's not doing that for your development program, then why is he even there? I think that's an, an important question. And, and if, if you don't have that structure in place, I learned that from a, a, a gentleman that basically built Team Wisconsin AAA program or rebuilt it from the ground up. That was the structure that he gave me. You have your board members, every every organization has board members and obviously they're not the most easy people to deal with everybody knows that even the board members circulate in and out of the board because it's a frustrating process but then you have a youth director that has to answer to that board and then the skills director has to answer to the youth director and the coaches have to answer to the skills director that is a system of accountability through and through if you don't have that then the coaches that are coming there that are volunteering Maybe they don't even know what it looks like to make a plan. So if, you're, if your skills director or the person that's in charge of the coaches isn't actually sitting these coaches down and explaining this to them or even coaching them on how to coach, what's going on here? You know, what, what's the point? Uh, you're, I don't even understand what, where, this, where the parents' money is going to. And that, that is my biggest concern, not the money part, but the responsibility that you have to these parents and these kids to actually – help them become better athletes and better hockey players or better hammer throwers, whatever sport they're playing to just not waste their time and not waste their money. And I think that's just, uh, for me, I guess that's what I've learned Martin from coaching and, and from people like Steve, my dad, Angela Ricci. I think that is a glaring thing. They're just the responsibility of building a program and, and helping these kids move forward. 
Yeah, and, and passion is another topic that came up over and over. And that's that's hard to teach passion, but in the right environment, it can really nurture it. So that that's another. Th- I mean, these are these are hard things to quantify. But you know, if I'm looking at a youth program that I'd want my kid to go into for for any sport, I, you know, I want to make sure people are having fun because if they're having fun, they're more likely to develop that passion. Um, you know, they, they, as you said, when they on the ride home, they need to be looking forward to the next training. They, they want to be fall in love with the sport. And, you know, if, if it's not fun, that's pretty darn hard to fall in love with the sport. So that's hard to quantify, but that's one of the top things I look for. You know, the, the coaches need to be good teachers, good people. I mean, if you sit down with them, you can judge their character a bit, but that's that's going to go a long ways. Um, in my book as well, I mean, there, there are a lot of these kind of intangible things, but those end up being the deciding factors you you can also look at you know the more tangible things like how good is the team how successful are they but that can be misleading in a lot of cases because i see this in track and field i'm sure it's the same way in hockey you know the good clubs attract the good players so are, are are they winning because they just get the best players in the area or are they winning because they're actually developing players and making them better that's not always as easy to determine as you, you might think yeah regarding that topic I think people in youth organizations, they get so either coaches, youth directors, parents, anybody involved gets so stuck on the idea of winning, winning and winning and winning when it's like you lose the idea of the process. Now, now you've shifted into a, a result oriented mindset versus a process oriented mindset. And your, your main focus should be on development period if you at that age if you are not developing these kids right you're probably not going to win games if you develop them and you focus that you develop your coaches on becoming better coaches they're going to learn how to develop the athletes there's going to be like i said accountability through and through your program is going to look so much better and i think when it comes to coaches as well that's not coming from a screaming place. You're not screaming at these kids to motivate them. If you have a problem with motivated kids, and that's not really your problem to handle. I think the thing that's going to motivate me that you brought up and Steve brought up, Martin, is the fun part of it. Find a way to make it a fun atmosphere. I once asked a guy, still the goalie coach for the women's hockey team at University of Wisconsin. There was a goalie in a local program that I was working with that was just not motivated. You could see he just wasn't having fun. So I said, Mark, you know, what do I do as a coach or what can I do to, to tell this coach that, that is coaching him every day? How do we have this conversation to, to get him motivating? He goes, well, motivating is the hardest thing you can do for a kid. You can't motivate a kid for him. You, but a good way to do it is to sit him down in his gear, you know, when he's right before practice and just have a conversation with the kid. He's 12, 13 years old. And say, hey, you know, little Johnny, what what do you think about, what do you like about the game of hockey? And then listen to him. What do you hate about the game of hockey? And listen to that. And then you can take those little, that feedback, just from that little five-minute conversation. And as a coach, if you genuinely care, you can build in something for him specifically. Well, here, okay, I really want to motivate Johnny here. So I'm going to do a fun drill, something based off of what he told me he liked. Now, he... He tends to, this is what he verbatim when he said, if he drops his hand, um, maybe he just, he's just maybe a little lazy with his arm. He doesn't like holding his arm up. Well, slowly and incrementally over time, he just kind of bump his arm up a little bit. 
you get him to kind of think about it. And next thing you know, over a two to two week to a month period, he's now fixed that part portion of his game. So I thought that was a really cool conversation. And these, these coaches tend to kind of get really caught up in themselves and the fact that oh, if we're losing games or we're, we're winning games, it, it looks good on me. But I always try to remember coaches that or try to remind coaches that, listen, if you focus on just strictly development and making it a fun development environment, your team's going to be great. And the parents are going to be happy and people are going to keep on coming back. Um, that to me is the most important out of all of, uh, the things that I learned from this, ep- the, this first season, but also from my own experience with youth development and just be passionate about the right things, please. That's what I want. Parents, coaches, um, athletes just to understand is if you're going to be passionate, be passionate about the right things, the process, of development and not just passionate about winning games and, and, and all that. Would you agree, Martin? Well put. So, okay. Yeah. Well, they go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to segue a little. I mean, uh, unless you had a little bit more to add on that. No, I think, I think this is good. I think that's a good recap. In fact, we may, maybe have gone about five minutes long, but I think the the next lead in we we want to segue into the next season and that's we we want our listeners to give us some feedback. We want to hear from you on that. What where should we go with this show? We have some options on the table for ourselves, but Martin and I expressed maybe the the importance uh, before we started recording this episode, the importance of hearing from the the listeners and letting you guys drive it. So we'd love to hear your ideas and, and where we should go for the next season. Some some topics that you would like us to discuss and, and we can kind of shoot for the end of summer here uh, to for the second season. Yeah. So let us know and reach out on, on Instagram. We'll probably do some polls on the Instagram stories and stuff, too, just to see see what you guys are interested in and also what we're interested in, because we want to learn. And, you know, maybe it's less sport related. Maybe it's more sport related. Maybe it's with youth athletes, with retired athletes, with uh, professional athletes, um, collegiate athletes, you know, uh, up, up to you guys and um, see where this goes. But I, I like looking at development. I, I like the kind of the concept here we tried of, you know, looking at one one topic from uh, several different angles so we'll see where the future takes us thank you martin and thank you to our listeners for always tuning in every week we'll see you in the next season talk to you then all right thanks